0: Let's pray together, Father. We uh, thank you for this morning, and we thank you that we can gather around the truth of your word. And we can gather around the truth of the gospel that we have sung. That the beautiful name of Jesus is what we are unified in. It's why we gather, and it is because of His life and His death and His resurrection that we are washed by His blood. And so we thank you for that today, and we pray. Uh, that you would speak to us from your word. Would you take just a moment, right where you are seated, to ask the Lord to speak to you from His word today, Father? As the hymn, the old hymn that we just sang says, "You have given us eyes and ears. May we see and may we hear. May our heart be opened." to you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be uh, with you guys today. It's great to worship the Lord uh, together. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I want to just say a special Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in the room, and uh, just so we celebrate you and we honor you uh, today. And uh, and. Don't forget to call your mom today, right? This is an important day. Uh, and I also want to acknowledge we, we um, recognize that in the room uh, on a Mother's Day, sometimes there's pain and loss that comes with uh, daylight today, and we grieve with you in that. We recognize that grief, and we're with you in that. Even as we celebrate Mother's Day, we recognize that may be where uh, some of us are today, and so we um, are with you in that as well. Uh, Motherhood, perhaps, is uh, one of the best pictures uh, of generous sacrifice for another. I mean, it's how it starts. It's a very generous sacrifice. And when they're little, they can do nothing on their own. So you do everything for them. And as they grow, you continually generously sacrifice. And my kids aren't out of the house yet, but it kind of seems like that for the rest of their lives, you do this, this generous sacrifice. Uh, It's this never-ending sacrifice of time, uh, of resources, uh, of emotions, of snacks, (laughs) of chauffeuring, bedtime stories, uh, of, uh, of tears, of pain, of validation, of advice, of counsel, of love. It is, as Courtney said, one of the best pictures of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his sacrifice, his generous sacrifice of his life for us so that we might have life in Him. And so today, as we talk about generous sacrifice, we're going to see this in our passage. I want to reflect on both our mothers, but also our Savior, Jesus, and then how we respond to Him in a Generous sacrifice with our lives. Now, we've been walking through the book of Romans. If you've been with us, we've been in this book for a while. And as we're coming near to the end, Paul is kind of writing to the, to, uh, the Roman church. And if you heard in the reading, it's almost like he's kind of strategizing and showing his vision and mission for what he's going to do next. Paul's an apostle, which means he goes into new places. He brings the gospel where the gospel has not been preached. And as was his pattern over and over again, as he would go into a place, he would plant the gospel, plant a church, raise up leaders, and let those elders and those pastors reached the city for Christ and he would move on. And as we heard in the reading, he's like, it's basically time for me to go on. There's nothing for me to do here. The church is established. They're gonna reach this city for, for, the, for the gospel. And he says, I'm gonna, I wanna go to Spain. And Spain at this time was the place where the gospel had not been preached. And so he's on his way to Spain and he's gonna stop in Rome as he goes. And he's riding to the Roman church. He has not been there yet. He intends to go. And as he's doing this, he says, I, I'm, I'm gonna ask a couple of things of you. I'm wanting a few things from you. Now so as he's, as he's uh, strategizing, as he's preparing for this mission, he is, of course, dependent upon God. He says, "I wanted to come to you already, but God has prevented it for certain reasons." So he's, he recognizes all this is dependent upon the God, uh, dependent on, on God, but he also recognizes that his ministry is dependent upon them. Ultimately, it's dependent upon God. But he says, it's dependent upon them, the Roman church. And so I want to look at this as he's strategizing and as he's figuring out where he's going to go next, he has two areas in which he is dependent upon them. And the first is a generous partnership. So we talk about generous sacrifice. He is recognizing that this church at Rome will partner with him in generosity as he goes on. So let's look at this. Verse 24, as we heard in the reading. He says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. This phrase, helped or assisted on the journey, it has this idea of doing whatever it takes to kind of keep you moving along the journey. So this would mean refreshment. This would mean encouragement. This would also mean resources. This would mean generosity of resources. Maybe people who would go with him, who say, oh, we're going to join with you as we go to Spain to reach uh, Spain for the gospel. It might be uh, tents. It might be places to to figure out uh, resources, food, any kind of supply they might need. And Paul is assuming this upon the Roman church, that when he comes, they will support him. In fact, many actually speculate that Paul was hoping to make Rome his new hub or home base. It was formerly Antioch, but that would be too far from the place where he was trying to reach. And so Rome would actually be a home base for him as a missionary to be this ongoing financial and all other kind of support as they went, in, as they went into Spain to the other parts of the world. And so he also references these gifts from, to, from the churches to Jerusalem. So not only is Paul going about planting churches in Spain, but he's also recognizing his role to give aid to churches that need it. And so he says here in verse 25, he says, At present, however... Before I come to you, he says, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So Jerusalem at this time was very poor. And so not only was it very poor, but the Jewish Christians are not only living in this poverty, but they're also being persecuted because they have, in a sense, left Judaism to become Christians. And so to be a Jewish Christian in Rome at this time was not, sorry, in Jerusalem was not a good time. It was not good for them. And so these churches in Achaia and Macedonia are coming to support. These Gentile churches are giving finances to help this Jewish church. And this is so much more than simply money, because this is a significant step, as we've seen in the last two chapters in, Rome, in Romans, about this unity between Gentiles and Jews, that he's saying, I'm coming to bring this spiritual blessing to this Jewish church that in many ways is like, I'm not sure how I feel about you extending this to Gentiles. Uh, it says, but this is one church that we are: Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians becoming one church. So this is more than just money, but it is aiding in this in this uh, endeavor towards unity and towards being one new community. But Paul makes this reference here. He says, "Because Jesus came to fulfill the promises of Israel and to extend the gospel beyond Israel to the Gentiles, he says the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual blessings." So they ought to then bless them with their material blessings. And at first read, we go, wait, is this kind of like a payback situation? Like we're paying them back for the fact that we've received a a Jewish Messiah and we've come to faith in Jesus? That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is that, and this is something that I think we often miss, is that what happens materially, physically, practically, any way you want to say that, has an impact on our spiritual life and vice versa. What happens spiritually has an impact on our physical, material, practical life. Now, we would never say this, but we often think and live as if the spiritual is sort of this like disembodied thing that happens over here that has no impact on our practical day-to-day life. And we tend to think the other way as well, that our practical day-to-day life has really nothing to do with the spiritual. But here's what he's saying. Because we are created spirit and body, and they are connected, something material happens when we are impacted spiritually, and something spiritual happens when we are impacted materially. Let me say that again and, and flesh that out a little bit. Something material happens when we are impacted spiritually. In other words, it's not some disembodied experience that with nothing to do with our everyday. And something spiritual happens when we are impacted materially, good or bad. And this is true in every realm. But in this context, what he's saying is that our material generosity flows out of our spiritual life and our spiritual life flows out of our material generosity. These two things go together. Now, follow me for a second, because Paul has just said that he is is taking money from these Gentile churches to this church in Jerusalem. And so we actually know a little more about this because of 2 Corinthians and other places. And and I want to look at it because Paul fleshes this out, this idea of generosity and how it impacts our heart as well. And so in uh, 2 Corinthians 8, you can turn there if you want, or I'll just read it and I'll have it on the screen. Paul speaks to chapter eight and nine about this idea of generosity that the churches in Achaia Macedonia are giving to Jerusalem. So he says, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. This is the money that has been taken to Jerusalem. And he said, he goes on in verse seven, he continues this on. He says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. In the same way that you are disciplined and you're thinking about uh, faith and speech and knowledge and earnestness and love, he says, take intentionality with this generosity. He goes on, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. And so what Paul's saying, kind of in this light of generosity and giving is that what's happening here is, yes, this is taking aid to the church in Jerusalem. This is going to help the poverty and the persecuted church in Jerusalem. And yet, but it's so much more than that. Because not only does this give a, but this is also benefits the giver. And where does it come from? As all things, it comes from the gospel. It is a reflection of what Christ has done for us, that Jesus, who was rich, became poor for our sake, giving his life for us, so that we who are poor become spiritually rich. It's because of the generosity of the gospel that The church flows out in generosity. And he goes on in in chapter nine to say this famous verse that many of us probably have heard. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful is hilarion, hilarious giver, just a joyful giver. But then he says this, verse 11. He says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession, the gospel of Christ, and uh, and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. And so, He says, this gift is not just a gift that gives aid, though it does and it is needed, but this is an overwhelming thanksgiving to God. He says, this giving is a ministry in and of itself. This giving is a ministry. And so the the generosity is not just a thing that aids ministry, it does do that, but it is a ministry in itself. And he says, in every way in which we are enriched, In every way we give, we are enriched in every way. And so Paul's not the only one in ministry here. Paul's not the only one planting churches. He's not the only one giving aid to churches. He is saying that we are all in this ministry together. Now, there's this word he uses here and also in Romans. He says when he takes a contribution, this word contribution actually is this word that we've talked about a lot here. It's the word koinonia. It's the Greek word koinonia, which means fellowship. It's in our title as a church, White Rock Fellowship. It's this idea, it's this word of partnership. It's this word of shared life. It's this, it's this sense of which we are partnering together. We're fellowshipping together. And so when he says you're bringing a contribution, he says what you're bringing is fellowship, life, unity, partnership in the gospel. So not only does giving aid those who we give, not only does it enrich the giver, but it partners us together with the ministry that God is doing. And this is what Paul is saying. that There is this partnership that comes with it. Now, we use this word uh, partners as a church when we talk about instead of using the word members. This is partly why. Because this idea of partnership means that we are in this together. There's this ownership together that has every bit of our lives, including our resources. So we partner together. The verb form of this word is to share. So it's shared life. It's shared heart. It's shared ministry. So when Paul is talking about giving, he's assuming this level of giving. In this text, as we read it, we go, I just seems to kind of say some things that Paul may do and we kind of blow over it but it shows us something by assuming what Paul expects from God's people, generosity. And there is something about the reception of this generous gospel. Jesus, who was rich, became poor for our sake so that we who are poor might become rich spiritually. That when we receive these spiritual blessings of God, it's meant to lead to a generous heart. Yes, Paul is ultimately dependent upon the will of God. But what he's saying to this church in Rome is that he is dependent upon them being the church for one another and for him. Them supporting him generously. He's dependent upon their generous partnership. And so giving to support the work of ministry is absolutely a part of what the early church did. Uh, Giving to support the work of ministry does, it it meets those needs, but it's more than that. Giving to support the work of ministry fulfills the giver, as he says, enriched in every way. Giving to support the work of ministry is a ministry in and of itself, Paul says here. And giving to support the work of ministry is one element of faithful partnership for the sake of the gospel. It's koinonia, it's partnership, it's fellowship. Now, there's something about giving money that connects our hearts. Uh, likely, you maybe have known missionaries, or you've known support missionaries through our church, um, that you, when you support them financially, there's something that gets your heart engaged with that. Uh, As we have supported missionaries uh, over time, you you begin, you read their prayer updates and you say, oh, I want to see what's happening with them because you're connected to them. Again, there's something material that is connected spiritually. They are not disconnected. And and I've experienced this as well as we raise support. As we raise support for uh, the mission, even right now, we just finished raising support for the mission trip that we're going on this summer as a church for our family. And in raising support, there's something about that, that um, it, it causes us to have to trust God with our finances. But it also builds this beautiful partnership of people who maybe can't go this time, but are partnering with us to go. And, and I always say, I feel like everyone should have to raise support once a year. Um, so I'll just, we'll go do that. That's our practical thing. <laughs> Why? Because it creates in us this, this recognition of that God is the giver of all things and that he provides, but it also creates this partnership. With one another in ministry. We were talking to Hayden Stringer, who's on our staff, and Hayden and Lindley were uh, missionaries in Greece for a number of years. We were talking about this passage, and they talked about how challenging and how isolating it can be uh, as a missionary. And he said just this vital importance of having the supporters that were back home that were giving and praying with him, because there's something spiritual that happens in this. And this is what Paul is saying, there's something spiritual that happens in this sharing of heart. And he, he just expects it as he goes to Rome. The recognition that we're, you're going to support me. We're going to, it's a generous partnership. We're going to be together in that. Now, this is true then that as he goes, some people might be like, hey, I can go with you, Paul. I'm going to go with you to Spain and we're going to share the gospel. Other people may not be able to go, but they recognize they can give to it. They might be able to give a specific resource or something that, that Paul would need on this journey. And this is true here too. There are times when we might say we are freed up to go, but other times where we might say, I'm not freed up to go, but I I am freed up to give. But all of us in this context are called to share. And so generous partnership is a significant part of the gospel uh, and a part of the ministry of the gospel. But there's something else that he's dependent upon as well in this passage. And I want us to look at it. Not only is he dependent upon generous partnership, but he's also, in verse 30, look what he says. I appeal to you, brothers Not only is he saying, when I come, I expect to have generous partnership financially and resources and homes to stay in and all that. He also is begging for prayerful partnership. I appeal to you that you would strive with me in prayer. And specifically what he's praying for is that when he shows up to Jerusalem, uh, that bringing money from Gentile churches, that, that God's favor would go ahead of him. Because remember, these Jewish Christians are not sure about these Gentile Christians at this time. And so to come and say, this is not manipulative, but this is a true gift and a picture of the unity that we have as one church. He's praying that God would go ahead of him as he brings this gift. And I think sometimes for us, when we, we think about partnership or we just think about life in general, we tend to put prayer on the back burner. We tend to downplay it. We tend to relegate it to something that is, well, there's, there's really nothing big going on, so I don't need prayer. We, we tend to relegate it to the, to the biggies. But prayer is what Paul needs. And prayer is what we need. As Courtney said, we love it when you write prayer requests down on these cards as we pray uh, with you and for you. We feel connected to, to your heart and what's happening with you and, and what is going on with you. And as you do that, we love to pray with you. That's why we have the prayer team here to pray each week to be available to say, we want to come alongside. Again, it doesn't have to be the big things only, but to pray with you and for you for whatever God is doing within you. And we talk about gospel ministry. What do we need more than anything else? Prayer. When missionaries write their update, usually a monthly update, what do they need more than anything else? Right, they may need support. They may need a specific thing or a home to come stay in when they come back. But What do they need more than anything else? Prayer. When I talk to pastors, local pastors, as I gather with them and as we talk through different things that are going on, uh, what do we need? We need prayer. Maybe we need advice. Maybe we need counsel. Yes, but we need prayer. And I think sometimes we neglect prayer for advice. Sometimes we need both, but we always need prayer. Paul is saying, I need God to do something that only God can do as, as he goes ahead of me into this place, and I need, I'm begging with you for prayer. Prayer is a desperate recognition of our dependence upon God. Just like raising support makes, okay, I'm really, support, I'm really trusting God, you're gonna provide for this. In the same way, prayer does the same thing. It recognizes I am only dependent upon God. This is, I have a desperate dependence upon God. And just like giving unites our hearts with those who are going, Prayer does the same thing. That when we pray for a ministry, when we pray for a missionary, when we pray for someone, even as as you're talking in groups and you're saying, would you pray for me? Because I'm having this difficult conversation this week. There's a uniting of our hearts with people. It's a koinonia. It's a fellowship. It's a shared life. It's a shared heart. It's prayer. In fact, I often say, encourage people, if there's someone you're really struggling with, I'm like, start by praying for them. And you're like, I don't want to pray for them. But it does. It unites our heart to them. I have a few guys that I get together with uh, simply to pray. And I don't actually see these guys any other real time. I don't hang out with them. Our entire purpose to get together is we pray. And yet, our hearts are completely united. Uh, I meet, some of y'all know this, I have a a prayer retreat I go on in the fall uh, with five other pastors. Um, And I don't, I'm not involved in their ministries day in and day out. And I don't really know all that's happening. But when we gather to pray, my heart is united with them. Even though I don't know what's happening week in and week out, I feel very united to them in prayer. There's nothing like prayerful partnership. And so when Paul is saying, I'm, I'm coming, he's like, what, I, what he expects is, is generous partnership and prayerful partnership. We use that word partnership here, as I mentioned, in a, as a church um, with this kind of idea, like in many ways in which we use this uh, culturally, maybe in business where we talk about a partner is a, is a part owner, The sense of of ownership, the sense of unity, the sense of shared life, shared vision, shared heart together. That's why we partner. In fact, um, one of the commitments that we have as partners, if you're a partner here, if you've gone through the process, you know this is number three, is commit to serve the church, pray for the church, and give of their financial resources in support of White Rock Fellowship. And there's an element to which we actually can't do church life without this. Um, we have to be engaged in serving, we have to be engaged in giving, and we have to be engaged in praying. Uh, but partnership and ministry, as I said, is it's dependent solely on God alone. But partnership and ministry is also dependent upon us being the church for one another, serving, praying, and giving. Last week we asked the question as we looked at Paul's example of his ministry. We asked the question. Prayerfully and intentionally consider maybe where God's calling you to use your gifts to serve, maybe here in the church or outside the church, wherever God has you to say, how is God leading me to serve? To take that time and not just passively assume it will happen, but intentionally focus on that ministry. And today it's a similar kind of question. I wanna ask us to to prayerfully consider where God is leading you to, to partner in generosity and partner in prayer. That as we do that, Paul says it's giving generously benefits the giver. It's an active way of recognizing the depend, our dependence upon God. Now, I'll be honest, sometimes it feels, not sometimes, all the time, it feels awkward and weird as a pastor to talk about giving. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine this week who raises money for a ministry, and he's like, yeah, it sounds like you're kind of singing for your supper. I'm like, that's what it kind of feels like. Um, it, there's an awkwardness about this. And yet Jesus talked about money, more than heaven and hell combined. It, it turns out that what we think about more than anything else in our day-to-day matters is money. I, am I gonna buy this thing? Am I, how much, can I afford it? What do I think about the future of money? What I, it's, just, it's constantly on our mind. And so would it be that in Romans 12, when it says that we give our lives as a living sacrifice, that we put our lives on the altar, that we're putting every bit of our lives on the altar, including our finances, and so the practical application from today is to give generously. Wherever God, however God leads you. We, we read earlier, not by compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. And you can give to here, White Rock Fellowship, to partner, As we say, with partners, we ask partners to support the ministry of the church, which supports everything about what we do as a church. Um, you can... Uh, maybe you are uh, not called to go to Eastlake Fellowship. As I said last week, as we're planting a church in the fall, maybe you are called to go. I encourage you to prayerfully consider that, as I said last week. But maybe you're not called to go, but maybe you're called to give to Eastlake Fellowship as they prepare to plant in September uh, maybe you see the missionaries that are out here as you walk out and see their pictures and say, maybe I could reach out to them under the sea. Maybe there's a way I could connect with them or give to them as God's leading you. Uh, as many of you know, as we've talked about some, and we're still kind of preparing all of this together in the, in the fall. We will have a organized approach to trying to raise money to build a building for our church, to continue in the growth that we need as a church uh, to support the discipleship across the board, especially for kids. And as we're doing that, we'll have a more organized way of doing that in August. But it may be that God, even right now, is is putting something on your heart to say, I want to give to the building fund. Every little bit to the building fund right now goes straight to that. Um, and the gifts right now are necessary because um, to continue down the process and, get to, and to stay on pace, the progress that we're hoping to have, we would need money um, on the front end as well. So if God's leading you to do that, I just want to ask you to consider doing that. And so the, the ask here is to consider and to prayerfully and intentionally say, Lord, how do you want me to partner in generosity? And secondly, equally as intentionally, and again, I don't think we do this necessarily, to ask the Lord, how do you want me to prayerfully partner with ministry that's happening in the church? All of these things. Maybe it's the church. Maybe it's East Lake Fellowship. Maybe it's maybe it's the building. Maybe it's one of these missionaries. Maybe it's you as you go into uh, your your place of work every week. So how can I intentionally be involved? I'm going to intentionally commit to pray for this. Again, prayer is not on the back burner. To say I want to take an intentionality in how I'm going to pray for the ministry of the gospel. Moving forward, he, I I just, I love the way he says this. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the love of the spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. If Paul is begging the church at Rome for prayer, we must make this a priority. And praying for the ministry that God wants to do here, through us, through you, as a church. That's one of our commitments, as I said. We, we commit to pray, to give, and to serve. And, and I think sometimes we can fly by that one. But I want to ask you to pray for our church. Let's pray together for the leadership of our church, for the provision of our church, for wisdom, for clarity, for uh, the gospel to continue to flourish from kids that are born two weeks ago, as we have kids being born all the time, if you've been around here at all to those who are not kids anymore. <laughs> um, prayer for that to happen everywhere. When we have spiritual eyes to see what God is doing, I think what we actually see is God inviting us to partner with him and serving and giving and praying. All in a recognition in what we have generously received graciously received from God, that Jesus, who was rich, became poor for you and me who were poor, so that we might have spiritual richness. It all comes out of the gospel. And as we generously receive this gospel, we generously give our lives away in serving, in praying, and in giving, and in every element of our lives laid down for him. Let's pray together. Father, we, um, we thank you for the things that we see and learn from the scriptures. Lord, we thank you that what we see and learn from Paul's ministry and his letter to the Romans is that generous partnership and prayerful partnership are essential to the ministry of the gospel. And so Lord, I pray for us, that we would, as we have said, as we've walked through Romans, that we would offer our lives as a living sacrifice. Every part of our lives as a living sacrifice. And that we would not be conformed to the way of the world, but we would be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Because in all things, you are calling every bit of us to you. May we not withhold anything. May we give our very lives to you. And Lord, as we do this, um, we ask that you would intentionally lead us into the areas where we can partner with you in ministry, whether that's through time or resources or serving or finances or um, prayer, where we don't want to take this as something that is not intentional, but rather, Lord, we want to be intentional with it for your glory. And Lord, if there's anything that's holding us back, maybe some experience that we've had in the past, or, or bitterness, or just tight fists about anything in our lives, Lord, we want to give that to you today. We thank you for the generous sacrifice of your Son, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And because of that, we are rich in you. We have everything we need for life and godliness because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.